America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day for the consequences of justice. The uh, Justice Department has uh, just <laughs> indicted uh, George uh, Soros, the congressman who... The Santos. Did I say George Soros? No, sorry. Uh, George Santos, uh, the 34-year-old congressman from Long Island, uh, now indicted on 13 counts of money laundering and fraud and phony unemployment benefits, and uh, he's pleading not guilty. He just has been released on $500,000 bond. These are very serious charges. He could go to prison for uh, 20 years or more. Uh, and this might have uh, a, a negative impact on his uh, campaign for re-election, which he's already announced. In terms of uh, other disasters, there have been more than 400 rockets uh, fired at Israel with uh, dozens uh, falling short and hitting the Gaza Strip, which is where they initiated. And uh, we will cover that and uh, whether or not they really do have a truce. A truce has been reported. Uh, Yoav Gallant, the outstanding defense minister of the state of Israel, has said that no, that is not true. Uh, eight people were injured uh, in the course of the missile attack running for bomb shelters. We'll bring you the latest on that. Of course, there's also the reaction to the Trump verdict yesterday. And it's a liability verdict. It's not a guilty verdict. But uh, Trump, according to many observers, including some of his fellow Republicans who are supporting him for re-election to presidency, have... Uh, have a, uh, announced that uh, they think he has hurt himself by his reaction to the E. Jean Carroll verdict. Here is uh, George Santos uh, live about uh, his case. Let's listen. Launched into them. I'm going to fight. I well, and I'm just going. I'm getting back to that. I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight the witch hunt. I'm going to take care of clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I would like the opportunity for some of you guys to ask some questions in an orderly fashion, and we'll start right here. Go ahead, Rachel. Why would you apply for unemployment benefits when you had a job making $120,000 a year? Rachel, this is part of my defense. This is inaccurate information, and I will get to clear my name on this during the pandemic it wasn't very clear i don't understand where the government's getting their information but i will present but my facts prosecutors say that you got over twenty thousand dollars in unemployment benefits sir how is that acceptable ma'am like i said my employment was changed during the time i don't understand where the government's coming from i'll present my defense and one last well, 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 i gave you two go ahead what evidence have that they don't have. I, it's extensive. Oh, I, I have plenty of evidence that we will now be sharing with the government in this case to make sure that I can defend my innocence. Are you planning on running for re-election? Yes, I am. 
And why should anybody believe you now? Well, like I said, I will prove myself innocent and then we'll move from there. And re-election is a very far time away from this. I'm sorry for blocking this. Re-election is not a very far time away from now. It is in November of next year. Uh, and uh, given the fact that uh, the seriousness of the charges against him, uh, does he have more to say with uh, more more questions? I mean, the idea that he got $20,000 of unemployment benefits while he was uh, spending 700000 of his own money, um, at least that's the record uh, in terms of uh, uh, financing his own campaign. The uh, Washington Post covers uh, Santos 34 surrendered to federal authorities in the morning. He uh, appeared Wednesday afternoon, that's right now, in a federal courthouse in central Islip in uh, Long Island. Uh, Santos stands accused of deceiving donors to his campaign and misusing their money for his personal gain, as well as theft of public money. He's also alleged to have made false statements to the House Committee on Ethics about his income and other financial assets. He faces seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, a one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of lying to the House of Representatives on financial forms. If convicted, Santos faces a maximum sentence of 20 years for the most serious charge, which is wire fraud. Which, by the way, is according to um, many of the of the sources, the main charge that is being investigated regarding uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, the uh, Jack Smith investigation. Jack Smith, the special counsel, is supposed to be investigating potential crime of wire fraud by President uh, Trump. And uh, what does that mean? It means that President Trump solicited, after the election, a $250 million, which is a, a staggering amount of money. And no one has ever done that before, but for the purpose of overturning the election. And the same way that his former aide, Steve Bannon, uh, got convicted uh, for cheating people by soliciting money to build a border wall, which he never really did anything to build at all, a private effort to build a border wall. We build the wall. Uh, so, too, it can be a very serious crime if it turns out that uh, Donald Trump was actually soliciting all that money, that $250 million, to stop the steal and soliciting it on a fraudulent basis. Uh, speaking of fraudulent, there is a complete mess at the southern border. People are expecting tomorrow the end of Title 42, which will mean it, it, perhaps as many as 150,000 unauthorized immigrants who have to be dealt with in some way. Uh, we will get to the latest on that. We'll be talking about that and more with um, with Andy McCarthy, uh, who is, uh, of course, a best-selling author, he contributing editor at National Review, and a formal federal prosecutor. Uh, lots to talk about. The Hunter Biden case. The E. Jean Carroll Donald Trump case. And yes, the George Santos case. 
all of this pending, and then what happens legally uh, with this uh, mess at the uh, southern border. We'll also be speaking later on uh, this program with Peter Coy, economics uh, writer for the New York Times, about the U.S. economic outlook. Are we talking about a soft landing? There were some pretty good numbers on inflation that we just got. Or are we talking about a, basically a catastrophe, the collapse of Western civilization as we know it, the default of the United States, which would harm very profoundly our economic position around the world? Uh, that and um, much more and the impact of all of these recent developments, including President Trump's very outspoken reaction to the uh, Carroll verdict. We'll be talking about all of that and much more uh, as the show unfolds. 1-800-955-1776 if uh, you want to join us in participating in the conversation. Uh, there's also a preview being offered by Donald J. Trump of his appearance tonight on CNN. Why is he uh, going on CNN rather than the familiar position and uh, embrace of Fox, who I'm sure would be glad to have him? Uh, we will discuss, discuss that and much more. A Andy McCarthy coming up uh, with so many legal issues and cases to unravel and comprehend. Coming right up on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. Honor on the Michael Medved Show, as it always is, to welcome Andrew McCarthy, who is a best-selling author, a contributing editor at National Review, and a fellow at the National Review Institute. He is also a very distinguished former federal prosecutor. And uh, Andy, I want to ask you about three different prosecution issues and individuals at different stages of the process. I mean, first off, there's the uh, Hunter Biden, who is facing potential and it sounds like imminent indictment uh, as a result of the ongoing Justice Department investigation in uh, Delaware by David Weiss as the prosecutor. And number two is the recently, just this morning, moments ago, indicted pleading not guilty but untried uh, George Santos. And number three, of course, is the former president, Donald Trump, uh, who has been uh, charged. He has been found liable of defamation and uh, sexual assault, and he has now responded to it and talked about an appeal. To, to, start, to start dealing with these with the one that hasn't happened yet, uh, you've been very much on top of the Hunter Biden case. is. Uh, does it seem to you that uh, it is true that an indictment is likely? Well, I've been saying that, Michael, for a while, so I, I don't know how... Um, 
I, I don't know that I would pay attention to myself anymore if I, if, you know, if I said it was uh, it was imminent. And to to be serious, the reason why is I really thought because the Justice Department clearly has not wanted to move forward against Hunter Biden, that if they did do so, they would try to do it in a way that would make the uh, the consequential part of the investigation, which is all the foreign money that came into the Biden family coffers, not just Hunter. I, I would have thought that they'd want to get that off the table and get that uh, sort of swept under the rug. So what I really thought would be it would happen was that someday when everything was quiet and nobody was paying attention, like Christmas Eve, they'd quietly bring him into a courtroom in Delaware, let him plead guilty to a couple of minor you know, tax counts, maybe the false statement on the gun application uh, and call it a day and try to, um, you know, be able to say that they it, this showed that they weren't afraid to prosecute the, the president's son, but at the same time sweep under the rug the, uh, the, the more important part of the investigation. They didn't do that. And it would be weird to me if now all of a sudden, after we had this big press conference today where the House made such a, the House committee the Oversight Committee under uh, Jamie Comer, they made such a big deal today about all the foreign money. Uh, it seems to me like they would just get themselves in trouble at this point if they tried to plead Hunter out to, you know, very minor counts compared to this other egregious behavior. And the uh, the other egregious behavior has a, a lot more chance of actually connecting uh, to his father does it not i i think it does and the the other thing i would say about it michael is if you used as a template what the Mueller investigation did in connection with paul manafort if you remember you know the thing with a money laundering prosecution money laundering is always very attractive to prosecutors because the penalties are very heavy because of its association with organized crime and narcotics trafficking and the like but the, the, what makes it difficult to prove, especially out of that kind of context, is that you have to show that the money in the first place was illegal proceeds or proceeds of illegal activity. And only then, if you change the form of it or move it from account to account, is it money laundering. Because if it's just your money and it's legitimate, you're allowed to change the form of it. So what they did in that case was Mueller said that Manafort didn't register as a foreign agent, and therefore the income that he earned, the revenue he took in, was illegal. And by virtue of that, he then said that all these subsequent transactions where money uh, was channeled through different accounts and what have you, that that was money laundering. I don't really see the way the House described uh, the Biden family activity today that seemed to me to be not only very much like, but a lot more severe than what Manafort did. So I would think they at least have a template to prosecute it if they were interested in doing so. Not that I think the Biden Justice Department is going to investigate Biden. Uh, meanwhile, uh, George Santos is also accused of money laundering. And uh, they say in the Washington Post, uh, if he is found guilty of the most serious charges against him, he could be sentenced to 20 years or more. Uh, the, it does uh, look like there are some serious problems for the congressman from New York, no? 
Yeah, they certainly are. And this is this goes back to what I just said about money laundering. Prosecutors often, if, if they have facts that can in any way support a money laundering charge, they can take something that looks like a fairly minor fraud and turn it into a major prosecution simply because the money laundering charges have such really severe penalties. And again, that's because when Congress put these money laundering laws on the books, what they were reacting to was the way that uh, that narcotics traffickers and, uh, you know, like mafia guys and other organized crime figures, the way they generate and handle their money. So that's the reason for the heavy penalties. But you really see what a sledgehammer it is when it gets applied in a case like this. Well, again, uh, and applied in uh, the case of Donald J. Trump, there was a major piece in the New York Times a couple of days ago where they were reporting that uh, their sources with uh, special prosecutor Jack Smith indicate that they're looking at possible money laundering charges against the former president because of the $250 million that they raised for Stop the Steal, for trying to overturn the election of 2020. Um, do, you, do you think that's a reasonable concern for President Trump going forward? I think it's a thing to be concerned about. I also think it's a thing for everybody in Washington to be concerned about, because if you're now going to take the position, as they seem to be suggesting, that hyperbolic claims that you don't seem to follow up on are not standard run-of-the-mill campaigning, but actually criminal fraud. I think there's a lot of people need to be nervous about that. Uh, including? Well, including everybody in Washington who <laughs> raises money this way. On, I mean, judging by what comes across my texts and uh, and emails, I, there, there's many very uh, interesting claims that get made in, in fundraising letters. Yes, and uh, not just by uh, uh, George Santos or Donald Trump. Uh, Andrew, can you stay with us for another few minutes? Terrific. We will come back. What I'd like to get from uh, Andy McCarthy is advice on maybe a more effective way President Trump could have responded to the verdict yesterday in the E. Jean Carroll case. We will get to that and more coming up with the one and only Andrew McCarthy. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, you can go to our website to michaelmedved.com and you will find there some of the latest commentary by um, Andrew McCarthy at National Review. <clears throat> Andrew McCarthy, former federal prosecutor who uh, comments on all the, the legal issues that right now we are facing in our political world. One of them has to do with uh, President Trump's uh, loss yesterday, and it was certainly was a loss with a jury finding him guilty of a sexual assault and uh, and also of defamation, assessing him some five million dollars to pay to E. Jean Carroll, his accuser. Andrew has a piece uh, entitled "Trump's Propensity and Silence Decided the Case," and. Uh, 
it sounds like if you were on the other side and not a prosecutor, but one of President Trump's defense attorneys, not the plaintiff, but one of the defendants, um, that you might have handled the uh, Trump case and his reaction to the verdict somewhat differently. Am I right well, in... Uh, that would have been my impulse, Michael, but, you know, I, Joe Tacopina is a very experienced New York defense lawyer. Uh, he's he's very able, and I have to think that, uh, you know, he's somewhat constrained by his client. Uh, you can't always dictate how that's going to go, but I do think that, you know, the built-in advantages for a plaintiff in a civil proceeding where uh, if the defendant decides not to participate, particularly not to testify, make it very difficult to win a case like that. In the, in the criminal uh, world where I did most of my work for 20 years, um, it, it's a very high standard of proof. And importantly, the defendant doesn't have to testify, has to be at the trial, but doesn't have to testify. And the jury is told that no inference can be drawn against them for not testifying doesn't have any burden of proof in a civil context it's very different the the burden of proof is the, the standard of proof is lower you only have to show preponderance not beyond a reasonable doubt so it's basically more likely than not and importantly everybody in the proceeding is expected to testify so if the defendant doesn't testify you can draw a negative inference and the court instructs the jury to that effect so that you know, someone who doesn't testify, the assumption is either you didn't have an explanation for what you're accused of, or if you had one, you didn't want to subject it to cross-examination. I think it's very tough. That's a, that's a, I, I think when a jury gets that kind of instruction for a judge, it hits like a thud. Um, and I, I think it's a very hard thing to overcome, especially, you know, on, on a low standard of proof. It seems to me that, you know, but even a plaintiff who has a, who has a thin case, if you present a positive case, something always beats nothing, or nearly always. Do, do you think it's, uh, uh, President Trump has announced, and uh, his uh, attorney, Joe Tacopino, has announced that uh, they are planning to appeal. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you think that's a good idea, that we will all hear another reworking of the charges of what happened allegedly in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room uh, nearly 30 years ago? Well, you know, look, I, I don't think it'll, it'll take a very long time for the appeal to be processed. That's not a quick process. And it does mean that if he's going to you know, it's going to keep the case going. That means it's going to continue to be uh, an issue that gets talked about one way or the other. I don't I don't think much of his prospects for appeal. You you were kind enough to mention my piece about propensity and silence. We've, we've covered what silence means in terms of the defendant not testifying. Um, the law has changed over the last 20 years to make it much more easy to uh, prove sexual assault claims. Because in this area, unlike other areas, you can put in propensity evidence, which is basically asking the jury to convict on the charge that's in front of them because the defendant has done similar things on other occasions. In, in many contexts, you're not allowed to use that kind of proof. Here you were. So as a result, 
she got to present two other women who claimed to have been sexually assaulted by Trump, in addition to his lewd comments on the uh, Access Hollywood tape. And that, again, made it very difficult for Trump to win this case by doing nothing. One of the things that I think has puzzled a lot of people looking at this case is that uh, it's not even a, a question uh, based upon the jury's verdict of uh, do we believe E. Jean Carroll? Because while they clearly do believe her that uh, Trump assaulted her, they don't believe her uh, that uh, she was actually physically raped. Does that reflect the standard for actually proving rape, which is actually that you have to prove, well, you'll pardon the expression, penetration. Right. It's, right. it's that technical? I think, Michael, it's, it's, some of it is a misunderstanding of what a jury verdict is. So when the jury doesn't says that they don't find rape to have been proved, they're not saying that they disbelieve her necessarily. What they're saying is they didn't think there was a sufficient amount of evidence that they could draw that conclusion, even if they believe it may have happened. And I think what happened here is because there was no physical forensic evidence because the 27 years elapsed, uh, you know, after the after the alleged incident happened at Bergdorf Goodman. Uh, the only corroborating evidence she had. They believed they believed there was an incident because there were two witnesses who said that she contemporaneously reported it. One witness said, you know, about 10 minutes after it happened. And then the other thing was you had these two other victim witnesses and the Access Hollywood tape. Those victims claimed that Trump sexually abused them and inappropriately touched them, but did not claim that he raped them. And on the Access Hollywood tape, while that's bad, he doesn't say that he raped anyone. And I think the jury decided on the basis of the supporting evidence that they were not willing to say rape on Gene Carroll's testimony alone. They, they were only comfortable going as far as the other victim witnesses had, had testified, which was inappropriate touching and sexual abuse, not penetration. And uh, those charges, well, one of them is from way back in the 1970s, and right. one was from, I believe, 2005, the uh, reporter Natasha right. from People magazine, who was ironically visiting Mar-a-Lago to do a piece on the uh, joyous first anniversary of M Melania and Donald, uh, yes. and alleges that... Uh, President uh, Trump led her to a bedroom and pushed her against a wall and actually used some of the same modus operandi, no, that he was accused of using against E. Jean Carroll. Yeah, th that, that's correct. And I also think the Carroll lawyers were very clever in the way that they presented that because she had difficulty getting through her story, said she came forward because of the Access Hollywood tape. And then they played the Access Hollywood tape with Trump's statements while she was on the stand. So the jury didn't hear it in the abstract. They heard it with a flesh-and-blood witness up there saying, this is what happened to me. Which uh, is not helpful to President Trump. Uh, do you think he would serve himself better if he uh, uh, dropped the insulting commentary toward Eugene Carroll? I think he'd serve himself better if he dropped the insulting commentary across the board. <laughs> and
And the chances of that, well, we will see tonight. Uh, tonight he is appearing on CNN. Um, and there's certainly been plenty of insulting commentary made towards CNN by Donald Trump over the last six, seven years. We will get to that and to a preview provided by Trump of what that interchange should look like. Uh, the Michael Mendez Show. And on the uh, Michael Medved show, uh, the uh, question about the impact on President Trump and his campaign of being found liable of uh, defamation and uh, of sexual assault and being asked to uh, fork over nearly five million dollars to E. Jean Carroll. Uh, all of that raises questions about his response uh, on uh, all of this. Yesterday, immediately when he responded, he said he doesn't know who this woman is, he had never met her, uh, that this was a hoax, that she was a liar again. Uh, what all of this, of course, put forward was if he is held to be guilty of defaming her because he called her a liar before, isn't this a repeat? Could she launch a whole new attack on uh, uh, on a whole new lawsuit on President Trump based on continued defamation? Uh, one of the things that he took issue with was her name of her cat and suggesting that her testimony uh, about having her her life decimated by being attacked in the uh, allegedly in the uh, dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman's, uh, that wasn't real because she had a cat that she had named, you'll pardon me, Vagina. Uh, right, and uh, and again, does the, all of this relate to his famous comments in the Access Hollywood tape where he was referring, well, you know, he was referring to a slang term I involving uh, felines. Uh, it, President Trump's social uh, videos on Truth Social uh, are remarkable and it seems to me extremely uh, misguided for someone who wants to continue a serious presidential campaign. And they sounded like this. What else can you expect from a Trump-hating, Clinton-appointed judge who went out of his way to make sure that the result of this trial was as negative as it could possibly be, speaking to and in control of a jury from an anti-Trump area, which is probably the worst place in the United States for me to get a fair trial, will be appealing this decision. It's a disgrace. I don't even know who this woman is. I have no idea who she is, where she came from. This is another scam. It's a political witch hunt. And somehow we're going to have to fight this stuff. We cannot let our country go into this abyss. This is disgraceful. You have somebody running for office. You have a woman that's financed and lied about it. She totally lied about it by 
Democrat operatives, like just about the biggest one there is. And she said that wasn't true. They found that she lied about it. And the judge wasn't even, I guess, letting it be put in as evidence. The whole thing is a scam. And it's a shame. And it's a disgrace to our country. Okay, uh, he also accused uh, E. Jean Carroll, who's been married twice. She's had two brief marriages. One of her marriages was to a fairly well-known television personality and producer named John Johnson, who's African-American. And uh, President Trump, in one of his responses, said that... Uh, E. Jean Carroll, in addition to the other things he doesn't like about her, uh, was a racist because she uh, had formerly used the term ape to describe her ex-husband, or at the time that they were uh, married, their marriage was ending after six years. Um, the, the, the one thing that I, I kept thinking about, of course, is that... Uh, uh, people look at this and they look at the details and the details of the accusations and, uh, and, and yes, there are a lot of Republicans out there who feel that uh, Trump could not possibly get a fair trial in Manhattan. Uh, but the, the idea of being so combative against uh, uh, E. Jean Carroll and emphasizing again she's not his type uh claiming that she's not attractive she's 79 years old by the way and at this point uh, would wouldn't it have been a more effective position if he had said uh the same thing that he said all along that i don't know this woman that nothing happened that none of these things are true but uh, I'm, I'm very sorry that uh, she has had such a hard life uh, and has suffered so much from what she believes happened. And uh, basically just saying that, okay, wouldn't it be a good thing if things were settled here more graciously? Uh, this was uh, E. Jean Carroll's reaction to the jury that found a President Trump liable for sexual abuse and defamation. She came on Morning Joe, and this is clip 18, and she said this. How are you feeling this morning, Eugene? I feel uh, on top of the world. I feel uh, yesterday was the happiest day of my life. Was it? How come? <laughs> what was the feeling? Because uh, the former president had smeared me uh, so badly and so evilly and with such malice and such spite uh, that it wasn't until yesterday I got back up on my feet and felt my name is back and Robbie Kaplan got it back for me. Robbie Kaplan, Roberta Kaplan was the name of her lead attorney. Uh, she also said this about her case being a victory for others. This is clip 17. It's a victory. Uh, really, not really for me. It's for every woman because we did away with the perfect victim concept. Mm -hmm. 
the perfect victim always screams. She always goes to the place. She always writes the date in her diary. She always folds up and uh, is a sad person. Uh, we smash that concept. And uh, so for every woman in the country, this is for you. I think this will help you all uh, be believed. Uh, and uh, again, to say that this is a victory for every woman in the country, I'm sure there's some women listening right now who don't see this as a victory to them. But uh, in terms of the comment by Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, who said that the verdict in the trial uh, makes me want to vote for him twice in 2024, if you agree with that, uh, give us a call and explain. I mean, how it it would be that you would feel more impelled to uh, believe that President Trump is qualified to serve as commander-in-chief and the leader of the free world. He is more qualified than ever before because he lost in, uh, in, in this particular trial with this particular verdict. Uh, meanwhile, there is uh, and some one indication of the kinds of serious business that the uh, president of the United States has to deal with in terms of the uh, explosive violence in Israel. Uh, there was actually an Israeli defense system that was used for the first time called David's Sling, which... Um, uh, and was used to shoot down some of uh, more than 400 missiles that were aimed at the Jewish state. We'll speak about that with Michael Rubin of uh, the American Enterprise Institute, who is just back from a uh, recent trip to the Middle East. We'll also be speaking to Peter Coy, economics writer of the New York Times, about the dangers of playing chicken with the debt ceiling. And there's plenty of playing chicken uh, by President Biden, uh, by the other Democrats, and yes, by the Republicans as well. Uh, the U.S. economic outlet, outlook and what could be done more effectively, that and more, all coming up and worthy of discussion in this greatest nation on God's green earth.